Welcome to another Guild of Entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Mark Huxley. In this episode, we're delighted to be joined by Annette Andrews, Senior Warden and soon-to-be Master of the Guild of HR Professionals. She and Freeman entrepreneur Andrew Pullman, himself an HR professional, took some time out to share valuable insights about how the pandemic lockdown is affecting people in the workplace and how this may be the catalyst to a paradigm shift in the shape of future employment culture. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Annette and Andrew, for taking the time out to, to talk to us, and particularly, Annette, for, for joining us from the, the Guild of HR Professionals. It's been nice to do things with, with some of the other guilds and livery companies, so, so thank you for that. So we're just going to have a, a, a kind of round-the-houses chat today about kind of navigating the people perspective of, of COVID-19, and I think we were just discussing, we, we, think, we're, we think we're five weeks into the, the lockdown, although, although time seems to be a kind of odd, odd beast at the moment. Um, so I guess kind of kicking the conversation off from day one crisis management through to week five and, and kind of where we are. How have you you've seen people have kind of coped in the first place and how have they evolved out since times? Um, maybe you first, Annette. So, yeah, what a fascinating time. I can't believe how much has uh, happened within five weeks and how much the world has had to change and people have had to adapt. So. My observations, which I'm sure Andrew will add to, is that over the five weeks, what we saw initially was just crisis management, but it it turned into a really extended period with all the impact of that. So literally, we saw organisations, businesses, people, families have to very quickly adapt. And most people have started working from home with all the challenges of that all the infrastructure challenges, the communications, the leadership. And I think we're now into what I'd call the new norm. But Andrew, should we talk about the the crisis situation and how people have adapted to get us to today? Yes. And I think, I think, you know, it's almost like a case of shock and awe in the sense that, you know, not only have we got the economic um, issues of, of a lot of businesses literally hitting a brick wall, but then we've got the health crisis on top of that, where there are people dying and, and people very ill. Um, and, and having that combination is, is, is unique. Um, I mean, people talk about, you know, the, the Second World War and everybody come together and all the rest of it. But, it, but that, you know, life carried on pretty much um, during a lot of that. But, but we're, we're having to have a completely new way of living. And I think um, the, the first thing I would say is, is that most people aren't used to working from home. And I think that in, that in of itself is, is, has got all sorts of uh, uh, issues, both um, logistically, uh, mentally, um, you know, the, 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 the fact that a lot of people probably haven't got a home space where they can work from easily. So, you know, if you just take it from ground zero from that, it, that, that in itself is, is quite stressy for people. Um, and then you start building on top of that, I think, in terms of having to manage those people. So managers who aren't used to managing a virtual team, um, trying to get their act together over the last few weeks has been, uh, I think, very difficult. And, and Andrew, I don't, I'm guessing you've seen the same, but there is no one size fits all in terms of what might work for someone and their families at home or for no. a business. We've had seen people being very agile and adapting, but needing support to do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it, 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 it comes down to um, very much 
the basics of, you know, have you, have you got equipment to do it? Are you prepared? Because it happened so quickly as well. It wasn't as if we had a long lead up to this that we could, you know, we, there was about a week, I think, when people were starting to think, okay, this is, you know, we're going to likely to be working from home. And I think people started to get their brains around it. We, we actually ran a breakfast forum, um, literally, I think, days before the, the, the actual official lockdown came in. Um, and people were gearing up for it. Um, but uh, I think it, it, it's, I think it's the, it's the unusual mix of everyone, everyone's lives being turned upside down completely with the kids coming out of school, um, families being thrown together, um, the inability to move around is, is, um, is very weird. So have you seen that, you know, thinking a bit more about then that kind of, the emotional effect it's had on people and people's well-being. I mean, both, you know, as, as it started in the kind of unreality of what, what people were confronting and how that's, that's kind of maybe changed in, in the meantime. So do you feel people have coped well with it? I think it's varied. I mean, um, I'll, I'll speak from personal experience of spending time with people at home and, and talking to others. I think there are, we need to recognise there are people that are literally isolated. They are on their own. Um, that means all day, every day, they are on their own. And that is incredibly hard for people, incredibly isolating. Not great in some cases for people's mental health. Um, and I've seen a few people struggle with that. So again, that's very different to the challenges of, again, seeing this, where people have been thrown together that wouldn't necessarily have been thrown together, sharing accommodation. Um, for an extended period of time or families as you said where they're schooling children or actually having very difficult relationships in a confined space so I think it's really varied but it's definitely definitely put additional pressures on individuals and not only their working environment but their their personal lives and, yes. and I suppose from, from sorry Andrew from an HR management point of view do you do you think that the firms have recognized that enough have done enough have they again you know kind of what do they call it kind of building the plane as you're flying it that yeah. you know that they're, they're making this up as they go along and starting to get it right wrong or or well, otherwise yeah you know I'll, I'll be very honest i think for many organizations they had well-being in place what that looked like and it was probably not immediately what was required so i think a lot of them had to hand what was available but it is now absolutely being prioritised and pushed up the agenda and they have had to adapt that to the different needs at home. Let me give you an example. You know, EAP, helplines, employee assistance programmes, where you can just ring someone or you can get, get some mental health support, are getting more calls than ever before. But people didn't always realise it was there. Mm. Be able to use Andrew I'm sure you've come across it as well yes I think that's right and I think um but coming back to the point about um you know the mental health and well-being etc I think the priority initially for people has simply been survival for a lot of yeah. companies I mean we we work with um not just the bigger organizations but also a lot of smaller medium-sized firms and their first priority has been um, survival. I mean, I had an example this weekend of a friend of a friend who I was put in contact with, who had in, an, in a situation where um, several of her team had been furloughed, um, but she wasn't furloughed. And then what they've done for everybody else is to say, we're going to reduce your salaries by 30 or 40%. 
Um, and that, you know, in normal times would be sort of shock, what's all this about? But of course, we're in a different environment now. So I spent some time with her, helping her work through that and seeing it, looking at the situation and, 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 and helping her sort of uh, respond to it and, and, and sort of agree to it, but on the basis that everybody was under pressure. But, but, the, but the, you know, firms are a different, every firm is in a completely different place. And I think there's a survival mode for some for others, it, it you know they've already done a lot of pre-work, particularly the more sophisticated organisations, and they've got well-being in place and the rest of it. But I think there's a whole load of organisations out there that haven't got any of that, no, and and true. so they're they're on a very steep learning curve. I think that's actually an opportunity for some of the EAP providers to very quickly not just provide for large organisations and companies, but start providing for individuals. Yes, and I think for the benefit of those who don't know what the EAP Employee Assistance Program. So this is the this is the you know often uh, you know most large larger medium to large firms will have this as a part of the benefits package. But as you say, Annette, most people either aren't aware of it or have never used it, um, and suddenly you know they're having to use it. It's rather like I was watching a program the other day of somebody who who was working I think in the city and has lost everything, lost his job and was down at the food bank and he was being interviewed at the food bank and he said i can't believe i'm i'm down at the food bank yeah but i've literally my 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 uh, revenue has stopped um you know a month ago um and i haven't got much savings and and i need food um and that's obviously at the the, at the very bad end of the scale but you know there's all sorts of situations that people are in which comes back to when you're managing that as a as a as a business as a as a uh, as a manager or as an HR person, um, you're having to grapple with all those sorts of issues, which normally you 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 wouldn't have to deal with. Mm. It's put huge pressure on the uh, profession, hasn't it? I mean, a lot of the people I know in HR have been working incredibly long hours, having to be incredibly supportive and innovative to their businesses, um, but actually at the same time having to look after themselves and their own family situation. So it's it's been a very very demanding time. Yes, I mean, the, the only thing I can liken it to, it, which was a short space of time relatively, was, was um, when 9-11 happened and when we had the bombings in London, where for a period of a few days, and I remember vividly the, the day of the, the, the Twin Towers going down, and I was literally looking out the window and people were talking about planes flying into London, etc. But that was a very short period of stress. And of course, HR becomes the sort of place to call, you know, the trains aren't running. What are we going to do about it? You know, when's the next train? You know, you go, well, sorry, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, now we're in a, in a sustained period of this. And HR as a function, because it is the people function, suddenly becomes the focal point for all of this activity now. Um, and it is a stress. It's a strain, definitely. So with that in mind, guys, I mean, you know, having, having kind of got past immediate crisis and what does the new normal look like? Where, where are the adaptive workplace practices coming in? You know, the narrative between the HR professionals and the people within the business and, and the people that are obviously remotely in the business, you know, being able to reach back out to, to their, their HR people within their firms. Oh, I, I can comment and say, I think we've, we've, we've seen a shift from that immediate crisis management into this is the new norm and I'm calling it the transition stage. I think actually, yeah, it's still very tough for people, but what we've seen is some really innovative 
entrepreneurial practice happening as well with people, you know, the technology changes have just leapfrogged. What was going to take months or years has just happened in weeks. And people have been incredibly agile in adapting their businesses where they can. I recognize that's not possible with everyone, but adapting that. And it's almost become the new norm. Mm. So I think, yes, it's, it's been stressful, but it's also shown people what can be achieved if you have to do it. Um, I think just as um, Andrew said near the beginning is with this new norm, you know, this is something that's touched everybody in, all at the same time and, and, you know, in different ways, but it has touched everybody. We've seen some great behaviors, great values coming out, but equally some people that are really struggling be, for a leader, for example, to be sustained leadership during this period of transition and crisis into using skills that they just didn't have. So I think there are huge lessons to be learned for the future, which will take us through to the next step. Andrew, what, what mm. have you got to share on the transition piece from your perspective? I think, I think what's interesting is uh, building some sort of new rhythm, creating a rhythm of, of, of work uh, and, and, and also life generally. It's, it's, it, it's all very much interlinked now because you can't, you know, the old days of jumping on a train, as soon as you got on the train, you were, you were or you got on a tube or whatever, or drove to the office, you know, you, you were in the, new, in the mode of work. Now it's all intertwined. And, and unless you're used to working, I mean, I've been lucky enough for 14 years to be running a virtual business. So, you know, you, you know that, that side of it isn't so bad. But for most people now, it's creating a rhythm, creating a structure. Um, thankfully, we have technology, you know, things like Zoom, uh, MS Teams, uh, Skype, suddenly is is the norm now um and as you as you said annette it's accelerating the use of technology and how do we do things i know people are beginning to think about okay when we go back to work properly what's that going to look like so things like having i was talking to somebody yesterday um uh, who's got businesses out in australia and and of course they're already you know, at the, at the other end of the curve and beginning to go back to work and things. And they're doing things like, you know, the A and B team thing. So you're splitting into, into half a team so that you never have the whole team in the office um, and those sorts of things. Um, so I think creating a structure and a rhythm is really important. And we're beginning, I'm beginning to see that with lots of different organizations. I think so one specific thing in there, sorry, uh, Annette, one specific thing in there, that it, in that kind of A team, B team, some of things thinking about some of the people that are furloughed at the moment and again certainly amongst some of the conversations I, i've had around people in my network some of those that are furloughed are being suggested that they may come off furlough yep. go back into the workplace i mean do you do you think that's as an easy thing as businesses might want to do that people can just you know having not been on the front line for a month maybe two months you know that they're able just to be able to walk back in and those that have been there feeling that they can become furloughed gosh just to go back a step i'd say just a, a plea from me if you have got anybody that's furloughed please keep in touch with them mm. because um people that have been furloughed who are not being communicated to or still engaged with are finding it incredibly hard and that will affect your brands and engagement in the future so i think that there's an opportunity there for everybody there are some guidelines around furloughing 
and the timelines and how you do that and take people back on and off, etc. Um, for me, something for uh, businesses to think about is always don't just think about the next day. Think about the, the future impact of your decisions, the potential impact on the brand. But also, this is your talent. These are the people you've invested in. What is the wisest use of those individuals and how to keep them engaged during this period? Yes, and I think, I think the, one of the difficulties is this concept of people on furlough can't work. Mm. And people would interpret that in different ways. Um, some will be ruthlessly sort of drawing a line and going, no, we can't talk to them about work because that effectively is, you know, that it goes over the line and HMRC won't be happy. But I think, Annette, you're absolutely right. You, you know, you've got to rem remember these are people, they're still part of the business, they're still employed. You want them ultimately to come back into normal day-to-day -day yeah. working. Um, and one of the ways I know one firm is, is, has got to stage now where they've had, they've, they're going to have people furloughing for a bit. They're going to bring some people back in and put some people out on furlough and do a bit of a, a sort of changing of the guard, yeah. if you like, um, in order to you know, keep everybody engaged. They've also discovered one or two people shouldn't have been furloughed because they actually need them. So they're bringing them back in and then having to make decisions, you know, based on, um, uh, you know, pounds, shillings and pence in terms of, you know, cash flow and how much can we afford, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think, and of course, furlough as a concept is a new concept to the UK. It's something that the, the, the US is a bit more uh, it's a US word anyway, and they're, they're used to it a little bit more. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday in the US. We're, we're doing some work with some firms over there. And, um, uh, of course, they've got the other issue is that in the US, uh, they furlough loads of people. They've made loads of people have lost their jobs because they, they have an at-will contract. There's no notice period or anything like that. Whereas over here, we're used to the idea of a, a notice period, and it's a bit more ordered in that sense. So... Um, but there's some interesting stuff you can do while somebody's furloughed. They can continue to do some, they can do online training. So if there's any compliance training, yes. otherwise they can do that. I've also got friends who run their own businesses who've had to furlough staff. Those staff are now working temporarily in, a, in Tesco's. Yes. For example. So as long as it's not the same business doing the same job or a similar, you know, competitor business, you, there are things you can do to use that time wisely and apprentice training, for example, there's some training that can still happen. Yes. So um, I think it's making the most of those opportunities. The other thing I would add is what it, make sure there is rationale for who you furlough. And when we start to transition back about who you're transitioning back when from furlough, because otherwise I think down the road, there could be concerns raised by employees, particularly when you're talking because of the financials potentially involved about it's not fair. Why them and not me? So we just need to make sure we think through the rationale. Yes. So, looking forward a, a wee bit. Um, so, you know, we, we've done immediate, we've done kind of where we are now and kind of looking at, at the future coming back out um, as a, maybe a kind of precursor to that. Um, I did an interview with our, our master a week or so back where he was talking about it was an opportunity for him to, as he put it, take an inventory over his business. And yeah. you know, his narrative, much of it was about the business. Um, I, I just maybe, as I say, a segue into kind of looking forward. 
and thinking about a people inventory and, and a people stock take, if that's the right, right phraseology to use, within, within the business at, at the moment and future needs. Do you mm. think, again, is there, is there good learning lessons coming out of that? Part of this furlough type conversation and bringing people back, the flexibility you're trying to put people in there. Do you feel businesses are starting to get into a decent mindset to, to take that forward? I think it's. I think it, on the people side, it, it it is definitely an opportunity to 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 look at the team that you've got and the people you've got. Um, you know, putting people through a, a stressful situation like this, you you sort the wheat out from the chaff. Often, you know, those those people that put their shoulders to the wheel and really help to to come up with solutions and help to make it work, and others that just sit back and wait to be told what to do and don't really contribute. Um, so I think the taking an inventory of your people and you know, who you've got, what they do, how they do it is, 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 is this is a, you know, a, a way of doing that. I'm not suggesting to use it as an opportunity to slash and burn, but I do think it forces you to actually look at your workforce and, and work out, mm. um, you know, who's adding value, who isn't. Um, and, and yeah, sorry, go. No, I was just going to say, I think that, totally agree i think it will be businesses will need to look at the individual circumstances and it will come down to financials as well we know that but also look at the opportunities they now have to move forward and there will be i think andrew restructuring there'll be transformation work going on um, so it will be coming down to not just looking at who you've got but the skill sets they've got now are the changing skill sets are the I don't think people are just going to be prepared to come back and do what way they were doing in the way they were doing it. And you may not want them to do that anyway. From a No, I think that, and that I think is a really important point. I think people having had a taste of, you know, not having to commute every day for two hours each way or whatever it may be, will begin to think, hang on, actually we can still work. I'll give you an example. We, we, we uh, look after a small um, private equity firm and up until about five weeks ago, um, they, the idea of anyone working from home was, was a complete anathema. Suddenly, the whole firm working from home. Uh, and I checked in on them the other day, and they suddenly realized, actually, we can still work, and we're actually as productive, if not more productive. Um, wow, this is a whole change. Now, that is a company that's discovered this. You've got, if you imagine every single person out there is now thinking about, actually, I could work virtually. Do I have to go into the office? Do I have to do this? Um, so it, it's, it, it's grabbing and I think you're absolutely right Annette about the opportunity it's an opportunity both for organizations but also for people to look at how they operate and what they want to do as well uh, and, and the trick and the challenge I think for all organizations is going to be to harness all of that and come up with a solution that's going to work yeah do you, to that point do you think businesses are in the right mindset to actually see that because obviously from their point of view they're looking at the the teeth of the economic crisis that's coming out and you know how quickly do we get back to whatever business as usual is going to look like if there is and i don't disagree with what you said i think you know there's a danger of a very dislocated workforce of saying look i'm just enough of this I'm, i actually don't want to go back and work that way yeah. do you think there's going to be enough of a sympathetic and understanding in the dialogue between you know the employees and the businesses to to be able to kind of make a tangible change quickly enough to, to navigate that change i think it would depend who the employer is mm -hmm. i think it would depend who the management who the leadership are and, and you know 
I'm a great believer that, uh, that all businesses uh, are either successful or fail because of leadership. It's as simple as that. If you boil everything down, it's all about leadership. And I think we will see um, the organizations that, that have strength and the right leadership will get it right. And those that don't, won't. I think also the, lot, the, 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 the change into the new future working is going to take place over time. It's not going to be a flick of the switch like it was when we stopped. It's going to be a very slow, gradual mm. move. And I think it's that, that's the time we've got an opportunity to start working out how you're going to do things differently. Um, yeah. But there's no doubt it's a huge challenge uh, for, any, for all organisations, I think. Annette? I think people, my strongest guidance would be start thinking about it now. Don't wait, but start thinking about the progress you've made as a business and organisation. The, the actual how you've changed your business model and your financial challenges potentially going ahead and look at your people, the key people, the key skill sets and start thinking through it's scenario planning for coming out of this crisis, but in a way that pr protects and grows the business, but also looks after your core talent moving forward. Yes, and I think, I mean, a good example, actually, before we went into all of this, and it kicked off, I think, last year, was one of our clients, um, a reasonably sized bank, uh, overseas-owned bank, and they um, were looking at this in terms of flexible working, agile working, and, and I have to say, I was, I was very impressed by the, you know, I wasn't expecting it from this organisation, but one of the things they looked at and they implemented was... Um, First of all, reducing the amount of people in the office at, at, at any one time. So they had people working from home and those working outside, living outside London, they had an arrangement, I think it was with Regis, with a number of their Regis offices around London that they set up as a hub for people to go into to work from. So they didn't have to travel all the way into London. They could go to the Regis hub with colleagues and laptops and set up there uh, and operate on a more flexible basis. So there's one example of a firm that was ahead of the curve before we went into this. Mm. I think other firms will get the opportunity to do that sort of thing and look at all sorts of different ways of working, mm. uh, focus on the output, but also how can we achieve that without, you know, we can, you know, knowing that they can achieve a lot of it without having to have people in the office. Okay, let's look at ways that we can do this so that we can have a blend of you know, everything that we need, but at the same time, you know, take advantage of the, of the opportunity. Mm. So, so just being a little conscious of, of time starting to kind of run out for us here. I mean, if you want to pick that up then, Andrew, with one final comment of what, what, what if you could give that one classic piece of advice to an organisation now to, to help them navigate that through, what would it be? And obviously the same question to you, Annette. I think for me, it would be first, two, two are linked really. The, the, the first is, have a clear focus, try and, try and get a clear focus on your business in terms of, you know, what is your core business in terms of now and what, what you know, given all the constraints, what do you need to be doing to, to break out of the, 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 the economic problems? And then look at your people and link that in very closely to that and, and, and try and uh, come up with, a, with a, 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 a way forward to link the two together so that you can get up and running as quickly as possible uh, when we get the, the chains taken off us. Mm. And I'd say don't lose sight of all those transformative changes you made to get through to this point. 
build on those to move forward. And remember as well that Andrew's really good point about this is not just going to be a flick of a switch and go back. It's going to be phased and this would have touched different people in different ways and they will need ongoing support. Well, great. Well, that's good advice to, to close on. So well, thank you, both of you, for, for time given up for, for chatting to us. Um, I'm going to assume if anybody is listening to this and they, they, they want to learn more or have a, a more detailed conversation, you'd both be happy for people to get in, in touch with you either directly or, or through the Guild. Um, so that was lovely. Thank you. I just once thank again, you. appreciate thank the time you spent. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Thank you.